What is it that God uses to decide whether or not do you love me? He says, if any man love me, it shall be known of him. If any man love me, it shall be known. So look what he says in verse 97. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation every once in a while. It is my meditation all the day. Now, you need to read and mark in your Bible uh, Joshua chapter 1, where it talks about meditate in the Word of God so that you may know what to say and what to do in order that your way may be prosperous. And he talks about being strong and very courageous. Well, that's what the Word of God will do for you. Meditate in the Word of God. Put God's Word into your mind. So if you do not study the Bible, and you don't meditate on God's Word, and His will, and His purpose, does God know that? Does God know whether or not you really love Him? Did you know He says, if any man love me, He said, then Him will I reveal my will. God will reveal Himself to you, to those who love Him. If you do not love Him, you may know Christ as Savior. You can quote verses in the Bible. You can go through the actions, the motives. I mean, the, the, the things just like everybody else. But there's something that will be between you and Him. God knows whether or not you really love Him. And there's things He's looking for in your life. There's things that we look for from God. And sometimes we get upset with God because God doesn't always do what we think He ought to do when we think He ought to do it. Do you think there's any of those people that got thirsty on the first day? Second day? Third day? But now, we're going to die. He brought us out here in this wilderness to die. This is why He did it, so that He could kill us all. We would have been better off back there in Egypt with nothing but onions, leeks, and garlic. Well, wait a minute. Are those the same people that cried out to God and God told Moses, says, Moses, my people cry out to me to be delivered. Did they forget about that? You see, people change all the time. People are normally whiners. They're murmurers and complainers. And you'd be surprised that things in our lives that God uses to toughen us up a little bit. Remember the Sunday school lesson this morning when we talked about tribulation worketh what? Patience and patience experience. Patience, the tribulation. That's where you get your experiences from. That's where you learn to mature. Because you'll find out after a while, God has got to get you into a state of despair. When you don't have the power to do anything about it and can't change anything, then God got you right where he wants you. And that's not the place we want to be. We always like to be able to have everything in control. I want to control things. And I don't like it when I don't have control. Did you know God will do whatever necessary to strip away our pride? Though we won't call it that. We would never admit to that. In the book of Peter, when he talks about humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Ours is just to submit. His is to exalt us.
to raise you up, do whatever he wants to do with you. All right. Then sometimes God has to strip you and he'll purge you like silver, getting all the dross off to try to make it pure. And little do you know and think that you still have some things in your life that God has got to purify you from. There might be areas in your life that's totally not yielded to the Lord, but you don't know that. There may be areas in your life that are not right with God, but you may not see that yet. So there's things maybe you haven't surrendered to the Lord, and God knows. So God says, I'm not through yet. Can't use you yet the way I want to. Remember when Moses fled from the king, or Pharaoh, and went on the backside of a desert for 40 years? Do you know in the book of Acts, it makes the statement that Moses thought in himself. He supposed that God was going to use him to deliver Israel by his hand from Egypt. He knew that before he ever made his decision, not only to kill that Egyptian, but whenever they said, who made you the leader? Who put you in charge? Who made you the ruler or the judge? It's what he wanted to do. It's what he expected to do. And God had to take Moses, who was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And he thought he was doing the right thing. But he had to go on the backside of a desert. Because, see, he had spent the first 40 years of his life learning the ways of the world. And God had to put him on the backside of the desert for 40 years to unlearn him and drain him of all of his pride and taught him how to be a shepherd, how to be a servant. And then God used him the last 40 years of his life in a great way. See, it wasn't that God didn't want to use Moses. If the timing wasn't right, and God wanted to get Moses out of Moses so that Moses knew that God had to do it. You see, he was going to do it. He was going to show what he could do, and God wanted Moses to see what God can do. And so God did the miraculous. And that's why whenever Moses said to the Lord, he says, when people say, who sent you? What am I supposed to say? He says, you say, I am that I am have sent you. Yeah, but I, 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 I can't talk. And he had five big excuses that he used. Because, see, now he had been humbled. He had been humbled. How long did it take Moses to get humbled? About 40 years. Now, you and I don't have to wait that long if we'll listen and learn from God a little quicker. But you have to know what God is doing. So God will allow things to happen in your life that you can't control. You can't manipulate. You can't make happen so that you have to totally see what God will do. And you just simply say, Lord, I can't do it. Whatever you want done, the way you want it done, I am simply surrendering. You can do whatever you want with me. I'll be as humble as I can be, as dependent as you want me to be. I will not try to exalt myself. 
I'll just be your servant. I would rather just be a, a servant in the house of the Lord than have everything else in this world. It's so important. Uh, take your Bible and look there in, uh, let's see, I'm in 119 Psalm, but I, I never did finish what I was going to read here. <laughs> look in verse 98. Thou, through thy commandments, hath made me wiser than mine enemies. Understand, you're going to have enemies in this world, but God's word will make you wiser than your enemies. Verse 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I kept thy precepts. So as you read this, look in verse 103 now, where he makes the statement, How sweet are thy words unto my taste. 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 130 says, the entrance of thy word giveth light. A lot of tremendous verses through here. And then you look there in verse 133 where it says, Order my steps in the Lord. Order my steps in the Lord. Take your Bible and look there in Psalms 84. You're in Psalms. Just look in Psalms 84. Psalms 84. And look there in verse 10. Verse 10. Now I know that we don't consider this you know, as we come together into the house of the Lord. Well, we know God doesn't live here. But this is a sacred place. This place has been dedicated to the purpose of the Lord. So whether or not some people want to call it the house of God or not, it's, it's a place where God's people meet. And I, therefore, I think it's a special place. But look what he says in verse 10. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand on the outside. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Now, let me show you two other verses that helps explain a little bit more about that. Look up there in verse uh, 2. He says, My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. Underline the courts of the Lord. And then look in verse 4. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. If a child of God loves the Lord, I can't see why they don't love the place where God's people meet and why they can't come to church. I question the love of any person who does not love his word or his people. You say, why? Because God says they don't love him. They don't love him. Do you love the Lord? Then church ought to be a special place to you. That's where we encourage one another. Listen, people are having a hard time. People have a rough time. People need people to know them and love them and care about them and pray for them. But some people, all they think about is themselves. As long as I'm doing fine, I don't need church. And you'd be surprised how fast when somebody is in trouble, they call the preacher, pray for me. Let them go to the hospital. And the first person they want to come see them, oh, the preacher, come and pray for me. What was wrong with you coming to see the preacher? When you could. You want the preacher to come see you. And, and I don't mind that. But I'm, what I'm saying is that 
this place ought to be special for God's children. And we ought not have to pull and force and beg God's children to do what they ought to do naturally. I've always had problems with that. Nobody in 50 years has ever had to try to motivate me to go to church. Nobody. Because I do it because I want to. I've done it for all these years because it means something special to me. Because I believe it's a thermometer of my love. It shows what it means to me. If Christ gave his life for the church and he loves the church, then so should I. And I haven't figured out how I can love Christ and not love his people or to want to be with his people. God's word says that I should. So it's an important thing. Look in Psalms 42. Psalms 42, and look in verse 1. Now, the word heart means a male deer. But look there in verse 1. As the heart of the male deer panteth after the water brooks. You ought to underline the last part of this verse. So panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? God ought to be the most important thing in your life. And nobody can make him real to you. Nobody can make you love him. But he says, if you do love me, he says, serve me. So is there a God in heaven that's looking into the church, even tonight or Sunday morning or Wednesday night, and looking for his people and wondering, if you love me, serve me, be found faithful, I believe it's the will of God for God's people to do this. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Another verse I want to give to you is the 119th Psalm, since we're right here. Look there in verse 63, 119th Psalm, verse 63. And you ought to underline this part of the verse. I am a companion of all them that fear thee. I am like to have good friends and close friends. But all my friends are those that not only love the Lord, but fear God. Now, I'm, I'm friendly toward everybody. I don't try to go out and make enemies. I make a few, but I don't, that's not my goal. But I like having friends that walk with God. You show me who your friends are, and I can tell a lot about you. Some people have their church friends, and then they have their other friends. I only have church friends. I don't have no other kind of friends. You will find it very difficult to withstand the pressures of your friends. And if they're not the right kind of people who love the Lord, they can also influence you not to serve the Lord. This is what makes it so hard for teenagers, because see, they want to have Friends, and they want to be accepted. And if they have friends that don't walk with the Lord, it's hard for them to ever break free. With adults, they should be able to understand these things a little bit more. Sometimes teenagers don't get it right off the bat. Uh, what is your attitude toward the world? How do you see the world? Do you love the world? Do you wish that uh, you could just stay here forever? 
Is your all your sights upon the things of this world? Or do you set your affections on things that are above? Because you know and you look forward to and you're planning on the day when you leave this world. You want, you want the Lord to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because of your service to him. That's not what gets you to heaven, but you do want him to say it. You want to live in such a way that you're not ashamed before him at his coming. Let me say just a word about this. You remember there's a story where Jesus was sitting there and watching the treasury as people came in and as they gave money. So there was a woman that came in and she, she, did, she didn't have much. She just gave a little bit of what she had. But the Bible says she gave all she had. And Jesus says she gave more than anybody else. Because they gave out of their abundance. and She gave everything that she had. When it comes to giving, do you believe that giving to the Lord's work has anything to do with you and your love for the Lord? God's Word says it does. I am never afraid or ashamed to talk about money. Especially not to God's people. I don't want to make it an issue with lost people. Because that's not an issue. But with God's people, there's always this issue about whether or not well, I don't believe in tithing, because tithing is under the law. Do you realize how much grace it takes for a child of God to give a tenth? I don't place myself under the law. But in the book of Corinthians in chapter 9, where he talks about giving, he refers to the law. He says, you don't muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. That's a reference to the Old Testament principle. I don't believe that I have to give a tenth. But generally, the people who don't want to give that much are always talking about, I'm not under the law, and I don't have to do that tenth business. Generally, that's the people who give less than a tenth. But those who really believe in giving by grace because of God's love for you and what He's done for you and because of the, the mercies of God in view of all that He's done. Those people who really love the Lord and who really want to believe in grace giving know that a tenth is only a good place to start. It's not the limit. Those who want to give less always talk about, well, that's under the law. Because that justifies them giving the little as they can. And those that believe in grace giving will always want to see how much can I give. I want you to love the Lord enough that you give what God wants you to give. And it was Betty's dad that had a difficult time teaching this 18-year-old kid to part with any of his money. I needed it a lot worse than the church did. I didn't understand at the time that it was only that little bit that I was giving that was revealing how much I can trust God for. If I only gave a tenth, at least I gave that much. But I also knew that I was wiser 
with the 90%. And I got more accomplished than if I kept it all. So because of grace and my love to the Lord, I've never resented giving to the Lord's work. And I've tried to make sure I've always given more. I would hate to think that somebody under the law would give more than what I could under grace. Remember the word grace and what we taught in Sunday school this, much, this morning? Much more. Much more. Not lots less. Because of God's love for us, I believe that it shows my trust in God that I can give it to Him and then trust Him for the rest of whatever I need. And for 50 years, God has always come through. There's when times when I didn't see how in the world we can even pay our bills. But I know that this belongs to God. And I'm given to God first. Not because I had to, but because I knew this is my way of showing God out of everything that I have, I, I trust you. I trust you. And I have no problems about giving to the Lord's work. I'll trust God for whatever else. There's some of God's people that are afraid that if they gave at least that much that they're not going to have enough to do anything else with. But you'd be surprised how many people have bought homes with God's money, TVs with God's money, cars with God's money that should have been given to the Lord's work. Now, what I'm saying is, if God is in heaven and He looks down from heaven, do you believe that God is watching everything, what we think, what we say, what we do, where we go, and determines whether or not, do you really love me? Do you really trust me? Some people give a little bit because they only trust the Lord a little bit. God says He wants us to be a cheerful, cheerful giver. If you give begrudgingly, you ought to keep every dime you have. If you can't give and trust God, that you're doing what God wants you to do. And you ought to determine that alone between you, your wife, and figure out this is what God has done, and this is what we ought to do, and this is what we're going to do, and then you do that. But I think it's a shame when God's people try to tip God a little bit, just to try to keep them off their back. They're not really sowing like they ought to sow. And because they don't sow right, they won't reap right. Your love for the Lord is revealed by the things that you do in every area of your life. Let me put it this way. A person who doesn't believe they ought to at least do that much, you better be thankful for the ones who do believe it or they won't be a ministry here. Because there's enough of the people in this ministry that do believe it and they give accordingly. And that's what keeps these doors open. And makes the ministry go forward because there's people who believe. Their love for the Lord and they give and they're gracious in their giving. And yet there's some people who are always stingy. Now, I don't look at the books. I don't know who gives what or how much. 
I don't touch the money when it's collected. I don't count the money. I don't deposit the money. I don't, unless Mr. Polson or them, unless they tell me what we got, I don't even know what we have. I don't even know what the balance is now. I don't care what it is. I just know that we ought to do right. Don't you agree with that? It's just right. But that's between you and God. But whatever your reasons are, and however you do it, you better make sure you do what God wants you to do in the area of your giving, and do it cheerfully, and not begrudgingly, and do it because you love the Lord, and you have confidence in the ministry here and what we're doing. If you give less, I won't know it. If you give more, I won't know it. But I can tell you who will. The one you say you love. Just love him and do right. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. He just hates what we do wrong. But he loves us. And he says for us to pay for that is eternal separation from God and a literal fire burning hell. But he wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven you have to be perfect as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We've all done things wrong and come short of God's perfection. And God says you cannot save yourself. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin because it separates us from him. So the Bible says that Jesus Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. And it says that whosoever would believe this, God would give them as a free gift, everlasting life, and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. Let's pray, shall we? If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I urge you to do so. Friend, God loves you. Remember, you don't have to change anything, give anything. You don't have to give any money. Salvation is free. Going to heaven is a gift. God loves you that much. All you need to do is trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, believing He died and paid for all of your sins and came back from the dead. You can do that. And if you trust Him right now, God said He would save you right now and give you as a free gift everlasting life. And He'll never cast you out and then never lose you. Our Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. We thank you for this evening and the study of your word. And I pray, Lord, that each person here would realize that, yes, you're looking for those who love you and that you would reveal yourself to them and your will to them. And I pray, Lord, that you put a hedge about each one here. A lot of families are hurting. Some are hurting for jobs. There's others because of health. But whatever the reason is, Lord, I, I pray that they're not questioned whether or not you love them or not. Because you, you love us with an everlasting love. It doesn't change. But there's things and so many lessons you want us to learn. Help us to be faithful and realize that tribulation worketh patience and that patience is what gives us our experiences. Those experiences is what causes us to be confident and bold. And we put so much more into our lives Looking forward to the day when we'll stand before you. Thank you again. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.